Hi guys, my name's Diana. Um, I'm going to introduce you guys to the fine arts kids that are going to be performing me today. There's a rap, and then there's going to be a short sermon afterwards. But firstly, I want to go ahead and recognize how, um, how important this is, not only for the kids that actually performed, because this was such a big step of confidence and just like to actually go out and show their talents for the people to like that God gave them to like go touch lives. That's really something that can impact a lot of people's lives, and we just want to appreciate that. So make sure to show that when they come out and perform. Um, but on, not only that, but they're not here just to perform. They're here to like manifest into y'all's lives what God's will is. So like just try to get into it, feel the will of God run through it. Let it be a testimony um, of what they've gone through. Let it be their life's testimony. Um, and so, yeah, so... Yes, and Jordan and Jordan are going to come and rap, but they um, they also wrote this song. So I don't know if you guys think that's really cool, but I think that's amazing. So. This former is a nine volt, walking out the door with a coat. That's a type of horse, yo. I ain't cold, we pull up for the show. Not to glorify my own voice, but deep in his own. I'm talking about God's voice, not my own. If not, my heart would feel like snow. My soul won't ever be sold to the man with the pitchfork. This dark and cold. I'm talking about stay in. He wants you to sin and make you start hating. JJJJ with the collab, make it happen. The fattening, that's not happening. It's the dogs that I be catching. I ain't ratchet, I'm just catching. These things that I be rapping, just snapping. But I never ever start capping and people laughing. Still, I start rapping, so they don't believe me, but I tell them and I laugh. See, you see, Jesus died on the cross for you, and it was a painful death. So if you know he saved your soul, let the whole neighborhood know. I don't need the stage, I don't need the fame All I need in my life is the word of Jesus' name I don't need the fame, throw it all away I just pray at night and always stay safe This farmer is a nine volt Walking out the door with the cold That's the type of horse, yo I ain't cold, we pull up for the show Not to glorify my own voice, but deep in his own I know I used this verse before Having used this verse twice will not be condoned Some people want to start hating So they follow what Satan tells them to do I don't need the stage, I don't need the fame All I need in my life is the word of Jesus' name I don't need the fame, throw it all away I just pray at night and always stay safe Life is in the game, it is real insane And it's not possible to live without being saved Hey yo, we got a guest A.A. Live It Up, J.J. Coming in last, coming in hot from the back Heat from the past, I can never lack Just Just that, rack on, rack on, rack on, rack on my court What I sack Sure, I never slide. Driving in a big Mac. Filling all the gas, drawing all the maps. Writing all the rest. Keep it focus on Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah. Well, that's the end of the song. So I hope you go, go along. Hope nothing goes, goes wrong. Hope everything is quiet and light like and gone. gone. You see, these rappers nowadays, they only want money and fame. But you don't need worthless stuff that you only want more of. It keeps you hungering for the stuff you don't need. So instead of praising money and fame, give the praise and glory to God.
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, how's everybody doing this morning? So this Sunday is not a normal Sunday. It is youth takeover. I'm one of the um, youth students here. And it's not Tim speaking this Sunday, so I'm, we're all sad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'll just apologize in advance. I'm just kidding. Um, can you guys turn these lights down a little bit? I can't really see. Okay. Um, uh, let's, let's start off with some prayer. Um, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity you gave, gave me. Thank you for um, this opportunity to share my faith in front of my home church, Lord, in front of my youth group, Lord. I pray that you give me wisdom, you give me guidance, Lord. Um, in the name of Jesus, amen. So I've been I've been attending this church for about five six years now, right? I've been coming here since I was pretty pretty little, probably like eight years old. And I remember I was one of the, I was one of the first few students in this youth group. It was probably a youth group about like a, a handful of kids, like five six kids, in a crappy warehouse. It, it was a no air condition in there. It was it was amazing. I mean nothing nothing can replicate that, man. But. Um, but it's such a blessing now to see how much this youth group has grown thanks to thanks to our leaders and thanks to God, man. Like we really we really came from a, a small building and now we have a whole refurbished warehouse. <laughs> the Lord's warehouse is what we call it. With with around we have like forty something students now. So it's it's really amazing how God how God worked in our youth group's life. And, you know, I've been I've been coming here since I was little. And I've always, I've always wanted to serve God. I always wanted to be a voice for God and be a voice for the kingdom, you know. And um, <laughs> sorry, um, but I feel like I feel like most people that are Christian wanna wanna be a. I'm sorry, something threw me off. Um, wanna be a voice for God, and and serve the kingdom and do and do what God has planned for in their life. I always wanted to serve the kingdom, but I always wanted to do it my way. You know, I never, like, I, I didn't, I didn't want to give up that control I had in my life. You know, I always, I, I, I wanted to serve the kingdom. I wanted to, I wanted to minister to people, but I didn't always want to do it the way that God wanted me to do it. You know, so we got, we got to make sure we're, we're focused on the truth, and we, we cut and we sacrifice these distractions out of our lives, cause, cause we're, cause, and our, our life is a road. You know. And are we we set our own point. God God sets the point in our spiritual walk, but we set our own point in life. And we have to make sure that we stay on that straight path path to on God's road and not our own road. Because our own road is gonna have obstacles and it's gonna have tribulations and it's gonna have it's gonna have problems. But if we make sure we stay we don't veer off of veer off of God's path onto our own road that that we could have that that we can serve God's kingdom in the way that He designed us to serve His kingdom, you know. God God didn't God didn't put us here on this earth to He didn't put us here on this earth to serve the kingdom in the way that that we want to do it, you know. We serve, we serve the kingdom in the way that that He wants us to do. You know, we have to we have to make sure we maintain a um. A solid. Oh, I'm losing myself here. <laughs> um, like a solid, a solid foundation in Christ. We have to make sure we're planted in Christ. We we can't just we can't just be 
can't just be over here, over here. We have to, we have to be, we have to be steady in Christ, you know. And we have to, we can't be steady in Christ if we have, if we have these things that are taking our, if we, that are taking our mind off of Christ and taking our actions off of Christ, you know. You know, um, God tells us in John three sixteen that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, this is probably the most well-known, if not the most well-known verse in the whole Bible. But we read that all the time. We hear that all the time. We, a lot of us have it memorized. But do we, do we really know what that means? God's, God gave such a hard sacrifice. He sacrificed his own son for us. So why should it be so hard to sacrifice even the most minute things out of our lives that are keeping us distracted and far from the cross? You know? And the, the enemy's going to try to plant things in your life. He, he's, planted the, he's planted things in my life. And he's planted, he's, the enemy's planted something in everybody's life that's going to, he's going to put that seed in your mind that's going to grow and he's going to try to throw you off the course of God. You know? It could be, it could be the smallest things, you know? And, um, like, we, we have to, we could have this solid foundation and be grounded in Christ by reading his word and, and not and not practicing not practicing our own truth, but practicing His truth in the Word of God. You know, uh, my youth pastor shared this passage with me uh, a few years ago, actually, and it really stuck with me. Matthew uh, chapter seven, verses twenty-four through twenty-seven says, "Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house." Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, there's, this, isn't, this isn't just a house-building scenario. This is a scenario that happens every day in our day-to-day lives. It's a choice we have to make from, from day-to-day, from minute-to-minute, second-to-second, you know? You know, let's say we have two people. They both they both want to serve God, and they both want to they both want to fulfill what God wants for their life. But one person wants to do it in their own way, and one person isn't isn't the most focused on that. He's chasing things like success and money, and he's chasing his worldly goals and earthly goals in life. And another person wants to serve God, but he but he's actually he's actually listening to God. He's practicing God's word. He's practicing God's truth. You know, and he's and he's actually making those sacrifices out of his life, because we can't we can't we can't come to serve God in the way that He wants us to serve Him if we have these distractions and things that we're going to trip on in our life. You know, I I I've always struggled with that, struggled with getting distracted and struggled with just veering just veering off the path of God. But it's honestly incredible how much how much this youth group has helped me grow. And the youth group. Youth in general are one of the most important parts of the church and parts of the body of Christ because we're we're the next generation. We're the next we're the next generation of um of the word of God, and we have to we have to represent what God what God does in our lives, and we have to represent God Himself, and that, that's that's hard. He has to speak through me. Like I could stand up here and talk about any I could talk about anything, but the hardest thing to talk about is to talk about God and is to preach to you about God because that's one thing I have to get right. I, I can't get that wrong, you know, because <laughs> that's like that's like that's like your eternal life right there, man. 
Like I, that's something that you that you have to get right. And can't we can't um, have our own truth in that. And since we're the youth, we have to we have to make sure we're focused and we're focused on that road and we're planted in Christ and we're sacrificing these things out of our lives and we're cutting these things out of our lives. Cause cause we we're. After us, then there's a generation after us and after us and after us and after us. And we have to make sure that generation doesn't lose its touch for God. And we have to make sure that gener- that generation doesn't ignore its callings of God. We have to make sure they're focused on God and they love God. And that's up to us. That's up to the youth. That's why That's why I really think the youth group is so important. And um, so I'm going to close with this, that... Everyone, how many of you guys in here want to serve God? I hope so. I hope I'm preaching the right crowd. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but everybody, everybody wants to, everybody wants to serve His kingdom and do these things for the kingdom. But we can't do that without, without having that foundation and being grounded in Christ. And um, we have to make sure we're sacrificing and cutting these, these worldly things out of our lives. So let me just ask you today before I give it up for. Shaza, um, what's really holding you back from serving God how he wants you to serve the kingdom? What, what, what's that? What's, because it's, like I said, it's day to day. It's not, it's not just, oh, I got to, I got to make sure I'm not doing this at all. I mean, it is, but like, it's small things we do every day. It's habits, it's behaviors. It's like, we really get, we really got to press into a lot of these things, you know? So what's holding you back from that deeper relationship with Christ and being able to serve God for for the kingdom and how he wants you to serve. Thank you. All right, give it up for Shaza. Look at your stuff, Matt. Oh, I'm so proud. Let me tell you guys, it is not easy to come up here and do this. And so I just want to um, give some of these students some honor one more time. Can you guys clap for them all one more time again? Listen, it's one thing for these kids to get up in front of a couple judges they don't know in a small little room and perform, and it's a whole different thing to get up in front of their whole church, their parents, some of their siblings, and um, do this thing. And so I'm so incredibly proud of them. Um, Like Diana shared earlier, we went to Fine Arts this year for the first time as a youth group, and most of these kids I don't think had even heard of it before. And I'm so proud. We had a bunch of kids that are willing, like wanted to go watch and learn, and I'm so excited about that. But I just want to, like, extra special honor Jordan, Jordan, and Matt because they kind of went into it, like, full force. They didn't know what they were getting into. And a lot of these kids that they competed against had been doing this for years. And so Matt entered into short sermon in the high school category as a freshman. So one of the very youngest in that category, his first time doing it, and advanced to nationals. So he'll be preaching at nationals next week in Orlando. So be praying for him. And then um, the Jordan. So Jordan Robles also did a, um, a solo rap. He was one single point away from advancing, which is crazy because in that category they combined middle and high schooler. So the high school. So there were seventh graders competing against the majority, which were like upper class high schoolers who had been doing this for years. I think one has like a like a like a I don't know like a record label or something like that. And literally one single point away, and their duet was just like a couple points away. And so I'm so proud of them for agreeing to do something that. They were going into blindly and willing to do it scared. So, so, so proud, for, like, proud of them. And then also all week, in the last couple weeks, I have been talking to different parents, different kids. And I know that you guys came in. The worship team did awesome. Our experience team did awesome. We had kids pray for people last service. I had a lot of kids who were telling me that they were terrified 
of this morning, parents telling me that their kids were like going through it, so scared. But what I am so incredibly proud of is all of these kids, despite being scared, despite feeling inadequate, being insecure, they all agreed and committed to do it scared, said yes to the Lord, said yes to growing their giftings. And that is something I struggle to do sometimes. And I know that we can't always get right in adult church. So can we clap one more time for these brave kids? Just so much honor to all of them. Um, I also want to give a little bit more honor to some things that weren't necessarily up front. Um, we had some kids that kind of stepped up in big ways. The shirts that we're wearing today that you can see was designed by Fiorella, one of our students. A couple other kids gave her some input and some advice, but she took the initiative on that. Um, she also runs our social media for, I think, almost a year now, fully runs our social media. Seb took on the role of the experience team today. Like, he headed up all the kids working with that. You can give him a round of applause. Um, and Bella, our worship leader, is so, so proud. She's actually one of our students that graduated. I have known her since ninth grade. She started our youth group the summer after her ninth grade year, graduated last year. And despite working, doing college classes, and I mean, I'm telling you, the enemy has been hitting her hard lately these last couple years. She has decided that she is going to still follow Jesus and press on into her calling despite the array of excuses that she could give. And it is such a blessing to see her worshiping the Lord despite some of the things that she's been through. So can we clap for her as well one more time? So awesome. And then again, there's like, we have youth leaders that step up every single Wednesday. Josiah and Jessica have sacrificed and helped our worship team every Monday night for practice, Wednesday nights, countless parents that I know are making sure you're making it a priority to get your kids to youth group and making that a priority in their lives. And so I'm just so thankful for our pastors, our parents, our leaders, our students. We just truly are blessed. I'm around um, some other youth pastors quite a bit when I go to these um, conferences in Atlanta and just hearing stories from different people's experience. I don't want to take for granted just how blessed we are here at The Way. And so, so thankful for all of you guys, the students. And that's the last time I'll make you guys clap. I promise. Just honor all around. Um, all right. With that being said, um, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about living a life with no regrets. And it's cool because Matt's sermon kind of ties into that. That was the sermon he did for fine arts. He tweaked it a little bit, but it still like fits perfectly, which is awesome. It was so, so good. Um, but like I said, I feel like these students this morning are a perfect example of living a life with no regrets. Every single one of them, I know them personally, could give an excuse on why they could probably not be here this morning or why they feel like they shouldn't do it or can't do it and instead chose to continue to walk into their callings and their purposes that God has for them um, despite, you know, whatever excuses that they could have. And so um, I know that when we say that we're going to talk about no regrets, that can seem like a very loaded subject, right? Like a really heavy subject. And if you are anything like me, how many of you guys, when you hear no regrets, you, your first thought, maybe it's just me, um, you immediately start to like think through all of the regrets that you already have. That's me. So when somebody tells me we're going to talk about no regrets, I'm like, well, shoot, like, and I can just list the array of things that I've gotten wrong, that I've messed up, that I've said wrong or wish I did better. Um, in just different areas of my life. But I also have like kind of a weird personality where I feel like I live in extremes. And so like immediately after I think of all of the things that I've gotten wrong and all the things I've messed up and all the regrets I have, I really start to picture like what my life would look like if I were to live out the call that God has in my life without any type of like excuse, limitations, um, weaknesses, you know what I mean? Like fears, insecurities, anything. How many of you guys also kind of drift into that category a little bit. I'm glad I'm not the only person, but I'm going to ask you guys to do something for me this morning. I didn't plan it out, but we did it last service and I want to do it again. 
can you guys take a minute and just close your eyes for me? And I want you guys to kind of just pray for a second and ask the Lord, because I want it to be like what the Lord is wanting, not us, and envision what you think the Lord has for you. Like if you could live out your life in exactly what you feel like the Lord is calling you to without limitations, without time being an issue, without finances being an issue, without like weaknesses being, whatever excuses, like get them out the door and just think for a second, 10 seconds, picture what you think you would be doing or what you would love to see happening in your life. All right. So now you guys can open your eyes. And I understand that because I believe we have a diverse group of people here, that the things that Lacey pictured are probably different than the things that Deb pictured and are probably different than the things Maribel pictured and are probably different than the things Noah pictured. And so um, because we're so diverse, and even like how many of you all even pictured more than one thing? Anyone else? Like I kind of have like different things that I picture, right? So like some things that are really important to me is I really want to be like a really good godly wife and mom. So important to me. Like I love my kids. I feel like I get it wrong daily, but I love my spouse, love my kids. Um, I picture like the minister that I want to be. I have like the hopes and dreams that I have for our youth group and the call of God on my life and their lives. And I picture that like, you know, just fully thriving in the way that God would want it to thrive. But then I also have like other like lesser things that I picture. Um, I want to travel really badly. Like I want to go see different places in the world. One of the things that anyone that knows me is like, I really want to go to Hawaii. I am like praying and believing that a millionaire will come up to me and be like, the Lord has put it on my heart to send you and your family to Hawaii for like a month. All expenses paid. Go live your best life. So again, I'm going to say, if that's you in this room, you can see me after I accept. I receive it. She's coming with me, apparently. So we're going together. Awesome. All right. But I say this to say that we all have different hopes and dreams, right? But I think it's also important that we recognize that all of our hopes and dreams don't all carry the same weight, right? So like at the end of my life, if I don't ever make it on my free trip to Hawaii, I will probably have a little bit of regret. I'm gonna be kind of bummed. But if I get to the end of my life and I feel like I have not lived out the callings and the purposes that God has for me, that is gonna carry so much more weight than the fact that I never made it to Hawaii. Does that make sense? Like, I am going to be so much more, like, remorseful. I, and I know it because even now when I get it wrong, it, like, weighs on me. Does that make sense? When I am not as patient with my kids as I would like to be or when I'm not as loving or kind to my husband or when I miss it with our youth group or, you know, insert whatever, like I already feel the weight of that and I'm still in the middle of my calling. Does that make sense? So I can guarantee you that at the end of my life, when I look back, it's not going to be the things that are like, like temporary that are going to be really heavy on me. It's going to be the things that have internal weight and impact. Make sense? And so this is why the Lord tells us, or so Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Whatever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So I want to ask you to search your heart and ask yourself, what are your desires? Um, it could be really easy for me to get really distracted with, like, things that are insignificant sometimes, right? Like, I can have I can get really fixated on like, oh, I need to get this from, you know, my house or I need to get that for my kids and all of this other stuff. And I have to check myself like I don't want these things aren't bad, but I don't want that to be like where my heart is. That's not where I want to camp out. Does that make sense? Like that's not where I want my time and my energy because at the end of my life, that stuff doesn't matter. And so I think it's really important that we're like 
constantly asking the Holy Spirit to search us and really ask, like, where is the desires of my heart laying? Is it in things that are temporary, trivial, that are going to let us down? Or are we storing up treasures in heaven, things that, like, moth and rust cannot destroy? Are they things that are going to be um, impacting the kingdom? Does that make sense? And so while I believe that all of us are going to carry out our, you know, we all have, di- like, we all have different, like, plans and purposes for our life. I said last service, nobody wants me leading worship. If you've heard me saying, nobody leads me wanting, wor- like, wants me leading worship. I even asked the Jordans if I could rap with them, and they very specifically told me no. So nobody, like, they, like, gave me a dirty look about it, too. They were like, no, definitely not you. And so while, you know, the Jordans or Bella or, you know, somebody else might be called to do very specific things for the kingdom, it's going to look different than maybe what God is calling you to do or what God is calling me to do. But I believe that at the core, like the root is the same. Does that make sense? And so I'm going to take a few minutes. I'm going to try to be really quick. And I'm going to talk about a couple things that I believe are going to be the most important at the end of eternity, that if we don't get these things right, we're really going to be living with regret. And so I want to make sure that we're um, focused and steadfast on these things. They may look different in each of your lives, but at the core, this is the foundation. And I'm going to try to move really quickly. Um, the first is accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Simple. Um, it would be the most devastating thing to constantly put that on the back burner. Like, well, Matt was talking about, like a lot of times we can say like, well, I want to do things for God, but it kind of just gets like pushed in the back burner while we want to do what like we want to do instead. It will be devastating if we get to the end of our life. Cause remember, we're not promised tomorrow, right? If we get to the end of our life and we realized we missed the opportunity to accept Jesus and have relationship with him. And now that we're like, instead of spending eternity in heaven, we've chosen hell instead because we've chosen to kind of um, like be the Lord of our own lives, right? The second one that I think we're going to regret or that I think is important is finding our identity in Christ and recognizing that he created us on purpose for a purpose. I think at the end of our life, we will really regret chasing other things to fulfill us. Does that make sense? Or looking to find our identity in other things because I'm telling you, there's nobody else that's going to be able to put like identity on you because they didn't create you. And so you're going to spend the rest of your life searching and striving and feeling not enough and feeling like hungry and empty and broken if we don't learn how to find our identity in Christ. And part of that is recognizing that he created us on purpose for a purpose. There are no mistakes here, right? And so Psalms 139, 13 through 16 says, for you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's not an accident, right? Like he created my inmost being. He knit me together. So this was intentional. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. It says all of my days were ordained for me before I was even born. And so um, I get a little bit frustrated and I do it myself. Like I get even frustrated with myself when I try to, or I hear people who are like trying to plan out their life and it's just like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know like what, you know, like, and it's like, we don't even consult God. Like he knows, like he wrote the book. He ordained every day of your life before it came to be. He has plans and purposes for you each and every day. And so why do we constantly spend our lives confused, 
purposeless, like in the dark, when we could just be seeking the Lord. Like he may not tell us big picture 10 years from now, but we can find our purpose each and every single day in him, moment by moment, like Matt was saying. And as we do that, there's like a contentment that comes. Does that make sense? There's a peace that comes. Because man, I don't want to be in charge of my own life. Like we think we want to be in charge until we face something that's too big. And then all of a sudden we don't want to be in charge anymore, right? Like I want to drive this, you know, ship or drive this boat until, you know, we hit an iceberg. I mean, that's kind of insensitive. That was bad. I retract. (laughs) I'm canceled. But like truthfully, like until we hit like something, And then we're like, oh, no, help, right? Like we run to God all of a sudden because Jesus, this didn't go the way I planned. And so when we can understand that like he has ordained every day of our life, we can trust him. We are like, we can abide in that. It's beautiful. Um, The next two things are just very clear biblically that I believe we're all commanded to do. Matthew 22, 36 through 40, um, the Pharisees came up to Jesus and were trying to trip him up. And they said, teacher, which is the most, or maybe it was his disciples, I don't remember. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I really believe that if Jesus is telling us that this is the most important thing in life is to love him and love others, to know him and make him known, that if we end up wasting our lives and not making this like the foundation, like our main pursuit, I really believe we're going to end up looking back on our life with regret because the Lord created us on purpose with a purpose. And that purpose is to know him and make him known, to love him and to love people and to, and to lead people to him, which is the next one which is go and make disciples. I believe this was the last command Jesus gave the disciples. Um, And it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I need you guys to realize this is not just for the pastors or the youth leaders or the ministers. Like, this is a call to every single person that bears the name Christ, Christian, right? Like, we are called to make disciples. And so, like, when I talked about earlier where it says not to store up treasures, like, here on earth, we say that we're storing up treasures in heaven. But then I have to ask, like, when was the last time we shared the gospel with somebody? When was the last time that we, like we're mentoring somebody and bringing somebody alongside of us. And I have to check myself in this all the time. Like, am I so fixated on things that don't matter when there's disciples to be made, when there's the loss that needs to be reached, when there's strongholds that need to be broken, when like there is work to be done that is like kingdom, you know, kingdom work that is like eternal versus like spinning my wheels, doing things that are just going to pass away. And so, um, like I said, The way that we all do these may look a little bit different, but the foundation, all of us are called to these things. But here are some things that I believe keep us from living a life of no regrets. And I have seen this in my life. I've seen this in a lot of other people's lives. And what I want to ask you to do before I share these is please don't ever allow yourself to like sit in a sermon. I have to tell myself this all the time and think we're like above it. Does that make sense? That is the most dangerous place to be. And I believe that's where the enemy wants to keep most of the church, where we feel like we have to look pretty and polished and can't be like 
can't be vulnerable and honest. Does that make sense? But then we never grow. And so the first of these things that I think keep us from living a life of no regrets is idolatry. And a lot of times we can read the Bible and we look at the Israelites and we can be like, how stupid. They're like worshiping like metal and gold and wood and all of this stuff. But I see it still today. I see the spirit of idolatry still very much today. And we like invite it into our lives and our homes. An idol is just something that we allow to take the place of the Lord. It takes our attention. It takes our worship. It takes our time. It takes our energy. And so I wonder how many of us, and I could, again, I have to check myself regularly, have made idols out of our phones, out of our TVs, out of our jobs, out of our children, out of our spouses, out, out of ministry. Like for me, sometimes I have to check myself and make sure I'm not doing work for the Lord without being with the Lord. Does that make sense? And so an idol can literally be anything, but I really believe that the spirit of idolatry will keep us so distracted and so busy and so um, fixated on things outside of what the Lord has for us that we completely miss living out the things that he has for us. It can also just be the idol of self, like saying like, God has called me to this, but I don't like it. I think of like Jonah when God specifically told him to go preach a message to a group of people that he didn't want to and he ran. We can look at that and be like, how dumb. But I mean, I see, I've seen it myself and myself. Like I've seen me run from things that the Lord wants for me. I've seen it in those around me. And so I really believe that we have to step away from allowing a spirit of idolatry into our hearts and into our lives. The second one um, is fear and insecurity. We often live our lives crippled in fear because we don't truly know who and whose we are. So we operate out of fear, insecurity, lack versus confidence in the Lord and his provision for us. We fear what will happen or there's a fear of not being enough or having enough. And this happens when we fear circumstances more than we fear the Lord. It happens when we make circumstances bigger than we make God. And so what happens is we, you know, we look at the Lord and we're like, okay, I know that you've called me to this or you have this for me, but, and whatever that but is that we're inserting, what we're really saying is this is too big for you, God. Like, I know you've called me to this, but I'm this, or this is that, or we don't have enough money, or we don't have enough time, or I'm not good enough, or they, whatever, like insert the situation situation like he's not the creator of the universe and he didn't already know that situation was there before he called you to it and so instead of operating in a place of like fear and insecurity and lack we have to kind of shift our mindset away from that and recognize that God is bigger than anything that's going to stand in our way um the next one is um fear oh I'm sorry fear this is one thing I wanted to add about fear as well that I've learned in my life recently Fear can be really, um, like, can be really sneaky. Um, fear can sometimes disguise itself as wisdom. And so we think that we're not operating out of fear, but we're operating out of wisdom. And so, in, which wisdom is from the Lord. Like, we do need to be wise. But I've seen this in my own life where I, I'm really operating under the spirit of fear, but I, I'm, I'm, like, calling it wisdom. I've, like, believed that it's wisdom. And so here's something that I've had to learn is that fear is from the devil, and so it will sound like the devil, Wisdom is from the Lord and will sound like the world, or from the Lord and will sound like the Lord. And so if you're like not moving forward because there's like a fear of something not being enough or like we just want to be safe and all, like that's not the Lord. That's like a fear of lack. But when we're operating out of wisdom and the Lord is saying like, you know, like depend on me, take it easy, like honor your leadership, like, you know, it's going to sound like the Lord. It's going to sound like the scripture. Does that make sense? And so we need the Holy Spirit sometimes to be able to differentiate that one because that one can be a sneaky one, I'm telling you. I think that we have seen generations thinking they're operating out of wisdom, but really we don't see miracles because we're operating out of fear, if that makes sense. Um, 
And then the next one is shame, whether it's past or present. I really believe that the enemy's plan is to coat God's people with shame so that they're paralyzed in being able to operate in who God has called them to be. And then the last is apathy, laziness, comfort, like indifference, just a general indifference to the things of the Lord. And so I know that I have personally struggled at different times with each and every single one of these. And so I'm going to talk to you guys. I know I'm talking quick. We're just short on time, but I really believe this is a word from the Lord and I don't want to like cut it out. And so here are some things that I've had to learn when the enemy comes at me with these like lies or these um, like just trying to cripple me is that I have to fight the lies with truth. And the way that we know the truth is by being in the word, by being in a community of believers, because sometimes we are just so in it. Does that make sense? That we need somebody else who is also prayed up, who cares about us, that sees it from the outside. And so we need to be connected in our church. We need to be in our word. We need to be in prayer with the Lord. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And then when we do those things, then we start to identify truth, right? So like we all have looked at the sky. We know the sky is typically blue, right? If somebody like came up to you and was like, the sky is green, you would be like, no, it's blue. I can see it. I've seen it. Like, I know that it's blue. We're not going to believe it, right? It's the same with God's truth. When we are in the word and we've experienced the Lord, when we're in his presence, then the enemy can't knock you off track with his lies because you know truth. Like you've seen it. You've seen him operate. You've seen the Holy Spirit. You've seen what God can do. You've seen um, what he's capable of. And so we're not as easily shaken. Does that make sense? And so as we're walking with the Lord, like, it's like a baby. Like, at first, I, like, it's new, right? And so it might be easier to be knocked off course. But as we grow in maturity and grow in our faith, there's, like, um, like a, a steadfastness that comes. Does that make sense? Because we know the sky is blue. Because we know who God is. And the enemy can't penetrate our hearts and our minds with his lies. And so some things and truths that I've stood on is that, um, one, I can trust his plan for my life, and it's better than my own. I have, to remind, I have to remind myself of that sometimes. When something doesn't go my way, I have to remind myself I can trust Jesus, and he knows better than me. And that's a truth that I have to remind myself sometimes when I'm, like, sitting in disappointment because something may not have panned out the way that I would have liked. The second is God is more than enough, and he will not guide you anywhere that he will not provide for you. Now, that provision may not look the way that we expect it to look, but I promise you when you are walking in, like, um, obedience with the Lord, and you're walking in accordance with his will, he is more than enough, and he will not take you anywhere that he will not provide for you. We see this with the Israelites, like with the manna from heaven. I'm sure they would have loved to have like months and months and months prepared, but he provided every single day with them exa- like exactly what they needed, and that's what the Lord will do for us as well. Um, his grace is sufficient, and in my weakness, he is made strong. And I remind myself that I have the Holy Spirit living in me, and we are sons and daughters of the King. And so this kind of goes with being able to recognize, like, our identity in Christ, like, who we we are and whose we are. Does that make sense? Like, when you know that you are anointed, when you know that you have the Holy Spirit living in you, that you are literally a child of the King, the world is a lot less scary. You know what I'm saying? Like, because the king of the universe is like your dad, is like you're operating with his spirit living in you. And there's a confidence that comes with that that's not as easily shaken. Um, And then I also recognize that often the reason I lack passion or like that fervor or there's apathy is not because God has like left me or it's because often that I have just like become distracted with other things. And as we like cling to the Lord, he refuels us. He recharges us. Like he breathes new life into us. And so we don't have to live purposeless, meaningless, like void lives. Does that make sense? We can run to the father and he can give us life, purpose, meaning, 
um, all of those things, and we can come alive in him. And so today I kind of wanted to close um, looking at somebody in the scriptures that really brings encouragement to me. Because I believe that I'm not the only person that has ever been given a dream from the Lord or has heard a call from the Lord. And instead of like running wholeheartedly, have like maybe hesitated or waited or like even like questioned when you're in the middle of it. Does that make sense? And so um, there is somebody in the scriptures that, I mean, there's a lot of people in the scriptures that really encourage me. But I'm going to just talk about one for just a little bit. And that's Paul. If you're familiar at all with scripture, you know that Paul is probably one of the most popular, most well-revered um, people that we see in the scriptures. He wrote over half of the New Testament. He went on many missionary journeys to advance the gospel. He remained steadfast even while he was greatly persecuted for his faith and eventually martyred. Um, I'm not going to read this verse here, but I want you guys to maybe write it down and look at it later. But 2 Corinthians 11, 16 through 33 lists, Paul is like listing all of the things he went through as he was like walking with the Lord and ministering. And I wasn't even reading that like for this message. I was reading it like in my own quiet time the other day. And I felt so convicted because sometimes we can really act like the call of God is a burden instead of like a privilege. Does that make sense? Like, so I can even like in ministry be like, man, this is hard. I can't make people happy. I'm like messed up. I, you know, insert all of like the little like silly things that are not that like big of a deal. And I'm reading Paul who's like counting it all joy. And it's like, he was shipwrecked. He was like prisoned. He was stoned. He was beat. He was like, he was rejected. He was mocked. He was, I mean, eventually killed like for the gospel. And this is the same man that he says like he like is content in all circumstances, right? And it all of a sudden makes like the little things that I face in like my cushy, you know, life not like it just, it puts it into perspective. Does that make sense? And so like I'm blown away by Paul's like steadfastness, right? Like to be able to endure all of these things and still advance like the gospel with like truth, with love, with just like zeal. And I'm like, man, I want that. But here's what encourages me is that likewise, if you're at all familiar with the scriptures, you know that while Paul did amazing things for the kingdom, endured like unimaginable things, he had a really dark past. So before he became Paul and, or, and he met the Lord, you know, on the road to Damascus, he went by the name Saul and he hunted and killed Christians. Like that's like the worst thing you can do as a Christian, I feel like, is like literally kill other Christians. And so it's encouraging to me that Paul's past didn't disqualify him. And so that's encouraging to me that the mistakes that I've made in the past, even yesterday, don't disqualify me. But we're going to look a little bit in Paul's life in just a couple seconds to see why they didn't disqualify him. But even more so than Paul's past, what encourages me even more is Paul throughout the scriptures is like boasting about his multiple weaknesses, right? Like he's constantly saying like, where I'm weak, like God is made strong. There's one verse that he says, um, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give credit beyond what they see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from being, becoming proud. And at one point in scripture, he even says that he kept like begging the Lord to take it away and he didn't. And so this encourages me that one, Paul's past didn't disqualify him and it doesn't disqualify you. Two, even as he's like actively serving the Lord and doing these great things for the kingdom, he's still like becoming refined. Does that make sense? Like you don't 
become who God wants you to be and then you serve. You become who God wants you to be as you start serving. And it's like a muscle. Like our spiritual gifts are like muscles. Like as you use them, they go stronger. There's no muscle that is made stronger without resistance. There is no gold that is like pure and beautiful without the refiner's fire to take all the yuck away. There's no diamond that becomes a diamond without pressure. Likewise, we're not going to become the men and women of God that he's created us to be while we're just sitting around waiting for it to happen. Does that make sense? Like we're walking with him. We're walking through, you know, whatever with him. And as we're doing that, we're relying on the Holy Spirit because we're flawed, because we need him, because we fall short. And that is when we start to recognize, like, it's like Paul, like, follow me as I follow Jesus. Like, we start to look more like Jesus, right? We start to see the power of Jesus working in us and through us. Um, And it's just, I mean, so encouraging to me. But I want to talk really, really quickly. I didn't do it in the last message, but I just want to share a couple things on why I feel like we, Paul was able to endure. Does that make sense? Some fruit in his life, if you will. One, he was content in Christ, and I really believe this was the most important. He had his eyes fixed on Jesus and not on circumstances. We see that when he's literally worshiping in prison. And so he was a worshiper despite circumstances, not just when things were going good. Like he was like singular focused, right? Eyes on Jesus. He walked in humility. He gave God the glory. There was surrender in his life because I know that he wasn't choosing these things, right? Like he was surrendering to the things that the Lord has led him to. There was passion. There was a love for people. Um, but this I thought was really cool too. Like he loved people, but he sought God's approval more than man's. And we see that multiple times in the letters he wrote to the churches that he loved people so much that he couldn't withhold the truth from them. Um, and I believe that as he chose to walk in like holiness and obedience, it's because his eyes were fixed on Jesus. And because of that like desire, does that make sense? That we can see him endure all of these things. And so like as we're getting ready, like we answer the call of God, I believe just like the Lord has a plan on your life, the enemy, um, he's going to want to thwart the plans of God, right? And so if you feel like attack from the enemy, it's because you're a threat to him. There's a danger to him. But when we keep our eyes fixated on Jesus, that's when we're able to find contentment regardless like of what we're walking through. Does that make sense? That's when we're able to worship through the storms and not be shaken but whatever is like thrown at us. Um, and that's fruit that he had simply comes because he chose to follow Jesus and only Jesus.